What's up, everybody? Daryl Freider, the club CEO here. We have another amazing episode of the My DJ Story podcast brought to you by the club app, the number one online community for DJs where you can stream online for free and not get cut off. Today we have Clash Gordon. Brother, please introduce yourself. Tell the people where you're from and who you are. Hello, my name is Clash Gordon, a.k.a. Clash G or Gordon for my friends. Some of them call me Gordo. Um, I am a DJ based in Los Angeles currently. Um, I hail from pretty much all over the place, but I was uh, born in Pennsylvania, grew up in New York and Connecticut, spent a long time in Chicago and then moved out to L.A. about a few years ago. And uh, yeah. Awesome, brother. Well, we're super excited to hear your story on the My DJ Story podcast. Tell us about the beginning. You know, what sparked your interest in becoming a DJ? And talk, talk to us a little bit about how you got started. Sure. So I was, I grew up in a musical household. I was taught to read music before I could read English. My dad was a classical guitarist. He started teaching me piano really, really early, like really early. Um, and I got obsessed with the violin. So I started taking classical violin lessons at the age of seven. Um, and all the time though, I was exposed only really to classical music in the household, but I kept on hearing all these songs out on the street or whenever we'd be out that just fascinated me. And I was obsessed for some reason with vinyl records, like seeing them spin around was like hypnotizing to me. So I'd just spend hours listening to like classical records instead of like CDs or whatever else was going on at the time. And my parents were like, oh, okay, we're just going to set them up in front of the turntable for a few hours. <laughs> um, and from there, as I got older, as I got exposed to more music, as I discovered hip hop, um, I like would kind of like go and buy CDs and hide them because I didn't think that my parents would approve of them, et cetera. And I just got obsessed with listening to this music. It was like my outlet and my secret. So as I got older and as I got into college, um, when I went to college for violin, um, I just started DJing parties for my friends and not necessarily like DJing, DJing, like I would make mixtapes. I would do things in the background in high school, et cetera. But it wasn't until college when you were basically able to, you know, have like a six month long sleepover, practically just party all the time um, that I would start playing songs for friends when they came over and they loved the stuff I chose. So I applied then basically I was doing work study. I didn't come from money. So I was working a lot of long hours on the side to try and pay for school and I wasn't getting anywhere. It was getting really frustrating. So I started trying to find side hustles. Um, I really liked smoking weed back then. So then I realized, well, this is actually pretty lucrative if I can like sell to people on campus. So I started getting into that and I realized, hold up, people love hearing me play music. So I'm just going to try and like start to DJ on the side and charge people money for that too, if I can. So being sketched out, selling on campus, all that other stuff, I was like, all right, no, I'm going to get out of this. I made enough money to buy my first like DJ controller, which back in 2005 was like a really plastic, dinky little Hercules controller, but it's all I could afford. But it allowed me to like have a crossfader and start mixing two songs together. I was obsessed with Grandmaster Flash. I was obsessed with the things that I'd seen as I discovered like Qbert, et cetera, seeing scratching. And I knew I wanted to do that. So I started just... With this controller, I couldn't scratch, couldn't do any of that. <laughs> but I started learning how to fade songs together. And because I've been in music school and classically trained, I started approaching it the same way I did practicing violin. I was supposed to practice violin four hours a day back then. 
Wow. And there are all these etudes, studies you got to do. Like they teach you, you start, don't even try and play the pieces that you want to show off on. You got to work on the fundamentals for an hour before you even start each day. And that's just making sure intonation and all these things. So I took the same like Suzuki method is what I was taught as I grew up as a kid, took that to the turntable. So let me try and always work on like this crossfader or work on beat mapping. Like back then there wasn't any sync. So I had to like learn to divide my brain, right brain, left brain, what song, which one's faster. And finally like got to play an actual party with this little controller. And my buddy was like, dude, we're going to have a big like uh, event like coming up for like a Valentine's Day ball or whatever. Come DJ it. We'll pay you a little bit of money. So that was my first gig, my first like hundred dollars. <laughs> I like still kept it. But uh, well, there was like a poster of a hundred dollars, but I digress. Um, but I got that money and then I was like, OK, I'm going to buy actual turntables. I went on eBay. Thank God for eBay back then. I got like a really beat up pair of Technics over time. Um, they were in rough shape, but that was what all I needed to start with. And I saved up for a rain mixer too. And it was off to the races. I was practicing wow, like man. every day. It was, it was a dope start. <laughs> that is an amazing intro story to your DJ career, man. I mean, from being inspired from loving music as a kid from your parents' home where they taught you music, the fundamentals of music to going off to school and being able to, you know, work your way and hustle to getting your first controller. Um, I think that you are really an inspirational story where you had a vision, you have a dream and you're going to do whatever it takes to get it. Uh, so this is super exciting, man. And then, you know, leading up to getting your first paid gig, that's super <laughs> exciting, man. I, I, I'm really glad that we're hearing this story, man. And where'd you kind of progress from there after, you, you know, finally touching some money and seeing, wow, this is an opportunity to really make some money and to do, you know, big events and really do, you know, something that you really love to do. So talk to me about where it progressed from there. So I was... I had just turned 19 when I finally got that pair of Technics. And this was in 2005 into 2006. And um, I just knew like work study wasn't for me doing these side jobs, being like a, an RA in a dorm, long hours, just kind of stuck at a desk paying maybe eight, $8 wasn't going to get me anywhere. It was like, that's just going to keep you in debt basically to the school. Like it's not, so I need to do a hustle, but I, I need it to be something that brings me joy because I know I want to be playing music. I know I want to be doing this feels right. Like there's a spark that happens when you're doing something you love. And the best things that you can do in life is find what you love that's authentic to you. And then if you can make money from it, awesome. Don't prioritize the money, though. Prioritize the love and the, for the craft and then things will happen. And as I started doing that, it's like the world opened up for me. I got extremely blessed. Um, I went to a, a pretty good school and used connections at that school to be able to find, like I was on a scholarship and everything. And I'm with kids who have like trust funds and who are connected. But one of my buddies, uh, his sister was one of the pussycat dolls and back in 2005, 2006, they're popping off. And he was able to leverage his proximity to his sister to get an intern position at the like what was one of the leading nightclubs in downtown Chicago at the time, um, the reserve. It was, uh, it was, it was a crazy, they like boasted that they had the most expensive cocktail because they put like a, a emerald in like the glass or something. It was absurd, but like the white Sox would have their parties there. The bears would have all their parties there. And cause he was working there. 
I was like, yo, I need to understand the club scene. Can I get on the list of somebody who can work at the club? So I started actually as um, the guy who wore like the chicken suit at like the Red Rooster party. And I was like dancing on stage with the go-go dancers. But the whole time I'm in this like ridiculous costume, just listening to the DJs, watching what's going on. DJ AM would come play a residency once a month at that club. And I got to watch over his shoulder one night and saw he was using Serato and saw how he was using Serato. And that broke my brain. I couldn't believe that you could load songs that quickly. You didn't have to line up the vinyl, didn't have to all that. And you didn't have to carry around like, you know, 80 pounds of vinyl to a gig if you had to go for four hours. So that just shattered my brain. I went home, saved up more money, got Serato, added it to the routine. I then submitted a mixtape to my buddy. I was like, yo, can you throw this into the pile at the club? Just throw it in. And I think back then, I was right when MIA had dropped her album. So I called mine Piracy Funds Hedonism. <laughs> and it was like this like little out of the graphic and everything, just because I was obsessed with doing this. So I went like above and beyond to make it look dope, all that. And two days later, he hits me up. He's like, yo, they want to talk to you. Wow. I'm 19 years old. I'm not legally allowed to be in a club. <laughs> but... um, I, I just, I put in that much work and everything. And like, they definitely are like, there's something a little unique here. Um, so I got a residency after like doing a, a few weeks of like letting them try me out and showing that I, I was cool. I wasn't going to be like weird and sketchy about being 19 and bringing my friends in or whatever. Give me free bottle service, whatever it was. I just went in and acted professional, show respect, showed up, tried to act above my age. So they didn't even question it. They didn't even question it. Uh, the, the club was a bit sketchy anyway, though. They were only paying in, you know, cash, all that, all that jazz. Back in the 2000s, it was a different vibe in Chicago. Um, and I got a residency and within like three months, I'm going downtown every Friday night to open the early slot, nine o'clock to 11. But I'm, I'm learning so much. I'm seeing so much. About four months into that, DJ AM's coming in for his, you know, his, his uh, monthly set. And the guy who was supposed to open for him got sick or something. He wasn't able to show up. And so they're like, dude, you're upstairs. So I went from the downstairs to the upstairs and I'm going on right before I am. And I'm, I'm shitting my pants. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, the goat, he's here. And he shows up a little bit early, like maybe 20 minutes left on my set. And he was digging what I was doing. And I was like kind of freaking out. He let me stay in the booth and watch him and was pointing things out that he was doing for like the next two hours to me. I got right. a masterclass from AM and wow, that bro. changed my life like that. Oh, man, I went home and practiced harder. I went. Yeah. No, this is <laughs> like, amazing, man. I think like it's so awesome to hear this story because I hear similar stories from a lot of the DJs I'm talking to where they prepare, they did all the things that they need to do then just the magical moment where they got lucky and were able to capture an opportunity to to really elevate their dj career i think that that quote where they say you know luck happens when preparation meets opportunity you know exactly make sure that you're doing the things that prepare you so when that moment happens that you can capitalize on you're ready for it because if you don't do that prep work you're not going to be ready when that opportunity comes to your face and you look like and sound like you've really put a lot of energy into preparing for that moment as if you already knew it was going to happen. So 
kudos exactly. to you kudos <laughs> to you man um I, you know that is such an amazing experience amazing story you know what happened to your career you know from that point on so from there on I went heavy into make I wanted my thing to be a little different. I wanted to take two songs that had no business being played together and make a live mashup of it. Um and I made that my thing, especially being in college at the time. Uh you know, mashups were blowing everybody's mind like uh DJ Ayers and The Rub, like that first album The Rub really got to me. I was like these guys are incredible. Um so I went in with that approach. I think The one that I always used that was like my signature was like DMX party up with Modest Mouse like over it. It was like the perfect match and it would like get all like the rock kids like wait, what? Hip hop and rock work together? And so I would just do tons of live mashups. That's my name Clash Gordon because I'd be clashing two things that had no business to be played together together. And I brought that into like battles. So I would do local things on campus, but in Chicago um as like a side thing after doing parties and I was doing a bunch of parties but uh that I won one battle that gave me the opportunity to open for Common and that's where things kind of took off now it wasn't like I was on the main stage it was like I'm the guy who's warming up the crowd as you know most DJs get used for uh during a hip hop show and there was a promoter there um that like heard my shit and really dug it and in the audience were the cool kids and um Josh and Kurt from Flostradamus who at back then were just basically playing tons of house parties and things around Chicago and doing like the club scene but they weren't like the Flostradamus we know now um they were doing a lot of similar stuff like the blog house vibe um and basically from there I got to meet those guys make a few connections through their network um through like a promoter and a photographer got more gigs and that kind of snowballed through campus where I got to open for the Roots. I got to open for Lupe Fiasco right when Kick Push came out. Um I met his mom in the green room, one of the nicest ladies ever. Um I got to open for like Cake, which was a really random one. I opened for RJD2 twice. And then Girl Talk actually back then who wasn't DJing mashups, but he was like a mashup guy. I did a show opening for girl talk too. And so there I was like this is amazing. My dreams are happening. This is crazy. Um so I stopped playing violin. I knew I didn't want to like basically it's kind of rough in the violin industry where you got to people hold their jobs their whole life. Like if you want to get a job, you look more in the obituaries column than you do in the job column for something cuz oh, this guy in the symphony passed away. Rest in peace, but jobs open, everybody's going for it. <laughs> it's just dark. But um Yeah, from there I graduated college and I was like, all right, I'm going to go try and do this. I moved to London for a year. Um that was in 2008 and I was working in a record store during the day and doing um post-production audio because I was an audio engineer and I'd learned I did a music tech major, so I was trying to do a bunch of computer like programming as well like to try and make more music, etc. And then I was kind of spinning around London at night. I got pegged as the hip hop DJ because I was an American, so they're like, "Oh, the Yank you could you play hip hop and I was like ah but I want to learn more house music I want to do more okay fine so that kind of changed everything for me but then this is kind of where the, the tale takes a darker turn um the recession hit and that was pretty rough back then and London is expensive on top of it as soon as that happened people stopped trying to pay you cash and or even paying you under the table as they kind of did for tax purposes maybe if they're being shady 
and they started trying to pay you in alcohol or they started to pay you in like oh you just bring your friends over you guys get a free surf bottle service I'm like that's not how this works I, I can't live off of that but it the stress of that um i think at the time i was kind of more open to anxiety and depression about it too i was just partying too much i got caught up in that so bad that after the recession hit i was like i gotta move back to chicago i can't like cut it here it's too expensive move back to chicago i'm gigging a bunch but i ended up having to start doing those gigs that you don't want to do where the general manager's all up in your face telling you you know i we need you to play more of this and I had a big opportunity when I got back to Chicago. I, I was still playing a bunch of shows, but I'm, I'm up. I'm waking up at nine o'clock and I'm going right to the club or right to the bar and I'm getting home at like five or six a.m. I'm not seeing any of my friends. And if I am, they're coming out and they're drinking. So I end up drinking with them and others, you know, that that kind of that that can get after you. You can it can catch up to you before you know what's happening. So my liver and my mental health were not doing that great. And I had an opportunity to get back on like a more consistent residency thing. But then at this new bar that opened up, this manager was basically all up in my face because I start, I dropped some, I think it was Anthony Hamilton coming from where I'm from is what I played because I was playing to the crowd. I was reading them. It was a really chill vibe. Um, and it was, you know, at that time, this brand new bar that opened up was majority of the clientele were people of color. And the manager came over to me and he was up in my face. Um, this was like supposed to be my interview, I guess, for this like rotation um, of these clubs and this holding group. And he was like, you can't play any more urban music. I was like, what? I, so I didn't really say anything that first time. But I was like, I don't like what's going on here. He's trying to get me to change out the crowd. He wants a different type of clientele here for their opening night or whatever. I'm not cool with that. Wow. And that that built over the evening to the point where I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm I'm dropping the fire hip hop tracks that I know are gonna make this crowd happy. And I'm I have no interest in working for this these people if this is how it's gonna be. Um that didn't go well for me in the scorecard afterwards when I saw my thing is like this guy's like uh all these things that I'm not as a person, like they're saying I was disrespectful, they're saying like all this stuff, and I was like, I was respectful with this you are the guys who have a problem so after that i was like you know what this put a bad taste in my mouth i'm partying too much i don't like where this can go sometimes and that discouraged me a little too much yeah. um that's just kind of like i'm including that as a tidbit here because it was kind of a turning point for me i wish i'd made a different decision probably it stuck with it more but it, it got to me like the the partying the the everything so i ended up kind of throwing aside the turntables and i was like i need to get a real job i need to like just pay off like my student debt which is crazy i hopefully can get a 401k or something to start building some wealth um so i just pivoted into doing digital marketing um i was working in a studio too a little bit at the time but even then i was like there's more people able to record in their bedrooms at home now it's easier like there are more engineers in the studio than there were clientele coming in so even though I was doing dope shit, like getting to, I got to smoke a joint with Snoop Dogg when he came in for a radio interview at the studio. It was awesome. But again, we're in the bad, like you're partying too much. There's, this isn't making you money. Is this worth it vibe? So the last like better part of a decade from 2012 to basically before the pandemic, I worked in marketing. I worked my ass off. I applied the same thing, but it was like desk jobs, corporate stuff. I was good at it. I got it, but it wasn't the same joy of being creative. 
And um, I, I did manage to move up. I transferred out here to LA. I was working for Live Nation and Ticketmaster before COVID hit, um, running marketing strategy for, you know, everything from the NFL and Broadway and music festivals. So I was getting like a little bit of exposure to music too. And then COVID hits and live events got shut the fuck down, right? Like a first industry to get hit the hardest. And we're going to be like the last industry back. I'm fortunately still furloughed. I'm part of the return. I'm kind of waiting on getting back to that job at some point. But the last like almost a year now was rough. I went from like changing into like working a corporate vibe, working hard, long hours to I've got nothing going on. And I want to go back to that job. Yeah. Well, shit. Twitch. DJing. I got all my stuff. I got some skills or some, you know. So I started getting back to it. I started practicing. And I set up a Twitch stream that because I've got some technical computer skills too, I go crazy on coding some intense visuals. Like there's flamethrowers and confetti pops off on the screen i i got a spaceship that takes us to outer space when we're in like that that vibe when we start playing house music in the night like we go to outer space um i went into it and i just started getting back to it and i i love it now like what's amazing about twitch and live streaming is you can play what you want you don't have to worry about the general managers or it's hard to read the crowd but twitch has this thing in the chat that like actually creates connection and community and i realized i mean i've been doing gigs here and there right i had i didn't stop djing on full when i was working the corporate life i would just do house parties or things that like i knew i could play whatever i wanted um my buddies and i started an adult summer camp just north of la called camp sunny road where we do an amazing like we basically it's like a all-inclusive come stay in cabins relive camp like you're a kid um, but we, I DJ and we got other DJs like, um, this guy subset who is blowing up on Twitch subset would come and DJ it too. Um, we've, we've done some dope, like little things there. That's how I stayed warm. But I took that kind of like following from camp and friends in LA who were stuck in quarantine at home, not knowing what day it was and realized I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing this for my own enjoyment and I have something to do to stay sane and holy crap like it's giving something to my friends like they're all showing up on friday night getting ready to be like oh my god dude thank you so much for the stream like thank you for making us feel like it's normal again we can't go out and see people so we can like party at home and so i started this kind of theme of like let's dance together apart um and it's been going for a few months i, I just did it for friends really and i still kind of it's like pretty hardcore my crew but from the love of doing that now i'm like this is actually getting a little bigger and i'm ready to open it up and share it with more people so clash gordon's back <laughs> amazing brother this is super truly amazing i you know i want to stop right here and kind of just thank you for what you've done so far and telling us this amazing story you know you've been very vulnerable with us and sharing tough parts of your journey and also i want to thank you for for what you did for standing up to that you know club manager who wanted you to change the music and not play hip-hop because of the crowd and that is so amazing and how just everything kind of it has aligned and just been in, in this amazing journey that's kind of brought you to where you're at in the present day where you're innovating using your skill on Twitch and live streaming. And this is kind of just a, a prime example of why I'm doing what I'm doing with the club and, and why I believe that there's an opportunity for DJs to really create a lot of value in the world 
through live streaming and doing what they love to do via this kind of platform and medium. So, you know, we're building a strong community of live stream DJs on the club and we would love to, to have you and, and to work with you and help other DJs join this community as well. So we all can help one another build our careers and to be able to do good things in this world through live stream. Yeah, man, this is an awesome interview. Uh, thank you for your time. I would love for you to kind of share some pieces of advice that you've learned throughout your journey that can help other DJs out there. I think like I was kind of saying this earlier and it's something too that um, I've been saying to other Twitch streamers. Like I talked to other gamers, this whole clubhouse thing that popped off that clubhouse app is amazing. It's an amazing place to go connect. I strongly recommend actually right now, if you're a DJ, go, go check out clubhouse because you can learn from a lot of people and I'm on there. I'm happy to talk about setting up Twitch and all that stuff too. I'm, I'm, I'm just here to help people. But at the end of the day, what I've been learning from other streamers and other DJs and from my own journey, just like if something doesn't feel right, if you feel like you are forcing yourself into something, there's a difference between discipline and practice and that type of stuff. And there's a difference between something that's inauthentic to yourself. Like that manager using the word urban eight times over the night didn't feel right. And I'm glad I made that decision, even though it probably cost me money. I'm glad that I actually took care of my mental health and stepped out of things, even though it took me maybe away from my joy to refine it later, like with DJing now. Do things that feel right for your soul, for your heart. Put that first. Work shouldn't feel like work if you're doing what you love. And so if you really love something and you know you want to do something, don't do it. Don't make it. Don't, don't try and make something to make it. Do it so you're making it for yourself. Because if you're trying to be famous, you're trying to make money, it's going to take away from the joy. It's going to distract you. We all need to make money. We all need to be able to, and we want nice things in life, right? But how you get there, the quality of life you're going to have, if you're doing something you love that then becomes profitable because you did it for love versus for trying to make it, it's going to make all the difference in the world. Wow, man. that that'd be my that'd be my advice. <laughs> now, that's some solid advice, and I think that DJs are going to be really happy when they listen to this interview and and learn from your journey and just be amazed at what you've accomplished and just how of a stand up guy you are and how it's really something that's going to bring you very far. Uh, and this is always the beginning. You know, you're a young guy and you got a lot ahead of you. So I'm really excited that we got connected and I'm, I'm really happy to be able to help you on your journey and to connect you with anything, Harry, people I know in the network that can help you and, you know, be a part of your journey as well. So thank you. Hey, thank you for doing this, man. This is huge. The fact that like you're connecting dots and connecting people to help them as well. Like I'm, I'm guessing this is what is authentic to you. It fills your heart, fills your meter up. So <laughs> Yeah, man. I can tell. <laughs> DJs uh, are, are special people. And I think that by me providing the service to DJs and giving them a platform to tell their stories, um, I'm doing a service to a community that I care deeply about. And yeah, you know, I think that uh, this is something that's going to be really good. And DJs are appreciating it so far. Um, those that are on the show and those that are listening to the show, um, we appreciate all of you. And, and, and thank you for, for doing this. I would love to take this time to transition into our lightning round. Are you ready to go? Ooh, yeah, I didn't have my coffee yet, but let's go. <laughs> let's do it. Describe your DJ setup, hardware and software. Oh, easy one. Um, so I've got two Technics M5Gs that I bought oh, the, about 12 years ago, the 1210s. They were the first digital ones. I love these things so much. 
Um, I've got, I just, I managed to cop the DJ MS11 mixer from Pioneer, which is the GOAT. This thing is insane. You can do mashup mode, everything. I love this thing. Um, I'm running Serato DJ Pro with uh, phase needles. Phase needles are also incredible. You don't have to worry about drift, all that jazz. Um, they're pretty accurate for scratching. I also rock a machine, um, MK2, Native Instruments drum pad, because I like to do a little bit of like side drum live mashup type of solo stuff sometimes. Um, I'm getting a little bit more used to that. I just integrated that into the Twitch stream. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the, the gear right now. Besides yourself, who's your favorite DJ? Oh, favorite DJ. I mean, AM obviously like opened my world. He changed my life. Um, but I think there's also... I mean, I saw Oakenfold a few times and that kind of also opened my mind back in the day because he created like this new vibe. Like it showed me that DJs are very eclectic. You got Grandmaster Flash was the original, DJ AM changed my life, all the genre hopping open format. And then back in the day, it was like Oakenfold, I think. <laughs> what has been your favorite party or event you've DJed at and why? Oh man. Um, I think my favorite actually these days is the camp I was talking about, this Camp Sunny Road we do because everybody's, it's kind of like a mini music festival, but it's all just really good vibes of people that we kind of know and they're friends and it's still small. It hasn't grown too big. And so it's a very intimate thing where you know, tons of creativity comes out. People build stages and like they get, they get into decorating things. We do a theme and then like I get to go up and just let my heart out and dj for as ever long as we want no rules so i think it's the no rules thing i think it's gotta be camp <laughs> who's the most interesting person you've met through djing Ooh, quest love uh when i got to open for the roots i didn't get to talk to him long i'm sure he wouldn't remember me but i remember every single thing that man said and his knowledge his exposure his just vibe He's a cool cat. Like that man, check him out on Twitch. He's on Twitch all the time and he's sharing crazy stories on his Twitch stream about like the things he has seen, the legends he's been able to be in proximity to and the stories of the origins of hip hop and everything. Like he, Questlove is, I stand him. <laughs> What's one thing you hate about live streaming as a DJ? What's weird about live streaming is... When you were DJing in a club, you could tell if maybe what you did didn't work. The dance floor would start to empty out a little bit. And you knew you could read and you could adjust. Live streaming drives me crazy because there's a counter. There's a number on it now. And you could see how many people are watching you. But when that number starts to go down, it might be because somebody had to go to the bathroom. It might be because they got a phone call. It might be like, who knows? Uh, they might have just had to go somewhere else. But when you see that number goes down, you think it might be you. You think it might be what you chose to play. And that is like for a DJ, when it's built into your uh, fight or flight mechanism of, oh shit, I played the wrong song. Uh, <laughs> that's really hard to overcome. That's my least favorite part of DJing live streaming. I would actually recommend to DJs, if you're using OBS or whatever else to do your live stream, you can click on that thing to hide that number. Don't look at that number live and think it's an appraisal of how you are performing or how you are doing, because in most cases, it's not. Shout out to DJs you know personally, whose story needs to be shared on this podcast. Man, Mark Martinez, aka Subset, 
I think he's such a good dude. He was doing DJing full time, and when the pandemic hit, like he started a Twitch stream. He's he's blown up on Twitch. Um, he's got a really fascinating story. I think from that end, I always want to shout uh, shout out because um, he's inspired me a lot too. From what he's been able, he's codes visuals and all these amazing things. He's really built the community. Um, shout him out. Um, I think all, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know for color Zach personally, but I feel like I do joining his stream all the time. Like, holy crap, what a streaming goat. <laughs> um, I would actually, somebody I do want people to check out here because he is the late night Twitch, like, king, is DJ as is. Um, he's a kind of classic, I would almost say a classic kind of like turntable battle type of guy but he plays like the chillest vibes he's on late night and he owns late night he will he's a really talented poet he's got a really cool radio voice he will if you use your channel points and tell him a theme he'll write you a poem there live um he plays tambourine with his stuff sometimes too it's just it's a it's a vibe over there he's a local la dj i would definitely check out um dj as is Big shout out to him. Uh, he deserves a, a, a big following because he's he's putting it down every night. Awesome. I hope to hear their stories on the podcast one day. And where can people find you online or even in person if you're still doing events? Not doing events yet because LA has been shut down and I'm kind of COVID scared myself. But um, <laughs> I'll be getting back out there once things reopen more. Um, but you could basically like my website, clashgordon.com, C-L-A-S-H, Clash um has links to all my stuff my twitch my mix cloud um my bio even um but you can find me on twitch actually probably the easiest way is bit.ly slash clash gordon one word as uh, the hyperlink will just jump over to my twitch stream my twitch username is clash underscore gordon um but yeah i'm on twitch every friday night throwing down a house party and then wednesday nights i do this thing i'm calling classic goldies where i'm going through my crate digging stuff taking old soul and like kind of jazz fusion songs and stuff that have inspired a lot of new samples and stuff. And that's my Wednesday night stream. So I'm on Wednesdays and Fridays and maybe a few more days coming up, but yeah. Awesome, brother. This has been an amazing interview with Clash Gordon and I'm super excited. Um, this is a blessing to have you on, on, the, on the podcast and uh, thank you. I know everyone's going to get a lot of value from this story and uh, it's been truly amazing. Thank you for, for, for blessing us with your wisdom and your knowledge and sharing your story. Hey man, I feel blessed to be here. Thank you for putting this together. Thank you for all you're doing for DJs and connecting the community. This is, this is huge. Thank you, brother. Are you a DJ? Well, we want to hire you as one of our official, The Club Virtual DJs. We've been working hard to source hundreds of paid virtual gigs, and we need DJs of all kinds that are interested in getting paid to curate virtual events for our clients. Whether you're a new DJ, just getting started, or a veteran in the game, we have paid gig opportunities for you. Text I'm in to 609-201-1027 to get notified for paid gig opportunities from the club. Tell a friend. We look forward to working with you. Now back to the podcast.